Our second scripture reading of the morning is from 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do ask that your spirit fall freshly on us this day. <clears throat> Excuse me. Open our hearts and minds to your spirit's leading. And as we celebrate Laity Sunday, we are here to worship you. We rejoice in being able to share this time as active worshipers on this day you've made. Amen. We, as United Methodists, have a rich heritage to guide us. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <clears throat> it is my, my usual morning voice. Thanks. We have a rich heritage to guide us. Kenneth Carter reminds us in his book, Living Our Beliefs the United Methodist Way, that early in our church history and early in our country's history, laity supplied the basic leadership, and class leaders and lay preachers provided ongoing pastoral care during the long periods between visits by the circuit riders. In other words, laity kept this new church active and growing while clergy were serving large geographical areas in the early days here in America. Thank you. Laity continues to be involved in most areas of ministry. Members of the annual conference are equally divided between clergy and laity when voting on any issues, any issues at all that will affect the conference. That's how important the work of laity is to the United Methodist Church. 
Lay academies are available in each district to help prepare church members to increase their skills in many areas. At each consecration service of those who have completed their class requirements at Lay Academy, I remind the clergy to use them because they have been called and are ready to serve. And if you're interested, consider taking the basic class and then perhaps later trying specific areas of study as at one of our lay academies. Now have we established that this is Laity Sunday? Okay? That it's not just a time to hear one of the laity speak, but it's a reminder that all are called. In our Exodus reading this morning, we find Moses, you remember him, the one called by God to lead the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt to the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses was at first reluctant, making all kinds of excuses to the Almighty when they spoke together at the burning bush. He and his brother Aaron followed God's instructions, and through God's miraculous intervention, the Israelites were freed. Moses' responsibilities didn't stop there. He had yet to lead God's people to the promised land. And during that journey, the incident of the golden calf took place. God and Moses were not pleased. You can read more about that in chapter 32 of Exodus. Sometime after the calf episode, God ordered Moses to leave Mount Sinai and go to the land he'd promised. In today's reading, Moses intercedes for the people, and because God is pleased with Moses and knows his name, names are very important to God, very important, he agrees to Moses' request that the presence of God go with him. Moses then asks God to show him his glory, and Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, grants his request. Moses was called. As we turn to our reading from the first chapter of the first letter to the Thessalonians, I'd like to highlight that Paul, Silas, and Timothy pray for the followers of Jesus the Christ who live there. They know that God has chosen these Christians because they know that their gospel had come to them not only with words, but with power, with deep conviction, and with the Holy Spirit. Because of this, Paul says that the faith in God of the Thessalonian Christians has become known everywhere. They had turned from idol worship to serving the living and true God. The Christians of Thessalonica responded to the good news brought to them by Paul, Silas, and Timothy. The faith, love, hope, and joy that they experienced certainly was noticed by those who had not yet accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. God did not leave Moses to his own devices. Moses asked God to teach him God's ways. God promised that his presence would go with Moses and the Israelites. Moses was called. The Christians, powered by the Holy Spirit, witnessed in Thessalonica and beyond. They were called. Are we different from them? Do we only warm a pew for an hour on Sunday or with this pandemic upon us, sip our coffee or tea in front of the computer as we watch the worship service at Evangel Heights on Facebook Live? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm really happy that we have the blessing of technology. I'm one who struggles with technology, but I'm happy that we are blessed with it at this time. God knew what we would need and when we would need it. We are called to worship God. Worship is active. It's not a time to be entertained. God is the audience. We worship him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are called to worship. 
And those of us who are members of the United Methodist Church took certain vows when we joined the church. These are sacred vows witnessed by God, clergy, and laity. The new members promise to faithfully participate in the ministries of the church by their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness. We are called. A new group of confirmands, boys and girls of junior high age, have begun their two years of preparation. At their confirmation, they will be taking those very same vows, and they'll renew the vows that were made for them or by them at their baptisms. We as a community of faith will renew our own covenants as well. We also should remember that we are the examples these young people will be following. Will we be like the Thessalonians, sharing salvation through Jesus with the joy we've received from the Holy Spirit? We are called. When an infant or child is baptized, the congregation accepts the responsibility. You hear that? Responsibility. When we uh, take our part in that service, to nurture them by demonstrating Christian principles through our words and actions, by surrounding them with a community of love and forgiveness, and by praying for them. We are called. Called to do what, some of you may ask. I can't bake for the bake sale. Bake sales aren't allowed. I can't prepare coffee for the social hour. Social hours aren't allowed. I can't chair a potluck. Even those aren't allowed. Woe is us. Throughout history, there have been hard times, some harder than others. It is through history that we can often learn how to cope, or perhaps what not to do. We are in these times, often scary times. We have free will. We have options. We can sit and moan and ask God why he doesn't fix things. Remember, ladies, he's not our husband. Husbands think they need to fix everything. Husbands, you don't have to fix it all. Sometimes you just need to let us cry. It's good for the soul. Or we could stop, look, see the good around us. If you're hearing these words, you've chosen to worship today. Praise God. So far, we've heard music praising the one true God and the prayers of the people. Thank you a song of prayer, scripture readings, thank you, from the Old and New Testaments, and a song inviting the Holy Spirit of the one true God to fall afresh on us. This is worship. As we were preparing for the service today and they were singing, I was dancing because the music just lifted me up. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. God promised his presence would go with Moses. The Thessalonians were powered by the Holy Spirit. God the Father sent his only son to live among us so that we might know him. Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected. And just before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit promised by Jesus came upon those who had waited. Do you see a pattern here? God Almighty, the triune God, Father, our Creator, Son, our Savior, Lord, and Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, who is always present. If we are unaware of his presence, it may be because we're not communicating with him. 
That brings us to prayer. Prayer is fundamental. Prayer is communication. Prayer connects us to the Almighty. It's overwhelming to me to think that I, a mere mortal of very few accomplishments, should even dare to approach God in such an intimate way as to just talk with him. But it's true. He welcomes time spent with us. He's God in all places at all time. <clears throat> he delights in our sharing as well as in our praise and our confession, in our caring and our intercessions. He made each of us and he wants to fellowship with us. We can call him Father, as Jesus taught when he shared his prayer with his friends. Jesus the Christ, second person of the Trinity, made God more personal for us when he started his prayer with our Father. That makes each of us a child of God. Terry Teagle, a United Methodist minister, has written a 14-day devotional praying the Lord's Prayer at noon. And I share uh, this information with you today because the intercessory prayer team is inviting each of you to join us in praying the Lord's Prayer at 12 o'clock noon each day, every day. Reverend Teekle shared in the introduction, and I quote, that in 1857, a man named Jeremiah Lampier started a noontime prayer meeting in an abandoned church on Fulton Street. A tailor by trade, Jeremiah was the caretaker of this empty church. Sitting on a park bench one day, he saw the depression on people's faces. So many in the city were barely getting by, struggling to care for their families. So on September 23rd, he decided to open the doors of the church at noon and welcome people to come in to pray. After half an hour, six people wandered in. The next day, 20 showed up. And within months, the church was full at noon with people praying. And word about it began to spread all over the city and the East Coast. Some say a million people came to Christ from the noontime prayer, and that it even initiated the mission movement to Korea. But one thing is certain, the Fulton Street revival was a documented move of God, started because one man said simply, let's pray. Uncomfortable play, praying publicly? It's not a rule that you must bust. You don't have to pray publicly. Prayer is spiritual, it's between you and God. Praying for others is a good thing. Praising God is essential. Without him, we wouldn't be. Praying together, even praying silently together, increases the impact. Remember Jesus saying in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Praise God. Prayer can have many forms. Our deaconess Penny Krug reminded us a couple of weeks ago about the, a Zoom meeting that is approaching quickly. Thanks again, technology. Hope and Grace, it's a concert of prayer, a gathering of both United Methodist clergy and laity from around the state of Indiana. It's going to take place Wednesday, October 28th from 9 a.m. till 12.30 p.m. Uh, there's no cost to attend. The registration deadline is this Wednesday, the 21st at 11.59 p.m. So if you hit midnight, you've missed it. Prayer forms that might be explored, and this is what I especially wanted to share with you, uh, in this concert of prayer include contemplative, dance, healing prayer, singing prayer, submission prayer, repentance prayer, spiritual warfare prayer, 
social justice prayer, church revival prayer, and family prayer. I'm often reminded of my prayer partners many years ago. Evelyn, Betty, and I met weekly to pray together. The women were my elders, my mentors, my very good friends. There came a time when Evelyn was no longer able to join us for health reasons and the fact that her vision was quickly deteriorating. That didn't keep us from praying together, even when apart. Later, Betty became quite ill and was placed in a nursing facility. Her room happened to be directly across the corridor from my mother-in-law, who was also being served by that facility. Now, if you know me, you're probably aware that I have no sense of direction and can get easily lost, even in buildings. So it was a real God sighting to have the two women I most wanted to visit so close to each other. After visiting with my mother-in-law, I would cross the hallway to see Betty. She was nearly comatose most of the time. On an occasion or two, she might have squeezed my hand, but other than that, there was no response. But I knew Betty. I knew her strong spirit. I knew her special relationship with God. I knew that she liked to dance to praise God. And I knew her prayer life. At each visit, I would hold her hand, share news about the church, pray with her, and give her prayer requests. Prayer is spiritual. It was her connection to God. I mentioned this to Betty's children at her funeral. They were thankful that Betty had been kept in the loop. After my head injury following a horseback riding incident many years ago, I had difficulty with communication. I also had very few visitors during a long hospital stay. I saw Don and my pastor daily, but children were not given visitation rights in those days, and the visits were short. Don was on active duty and also had two little girls to look after. Consequently, my lack of conversational skills wasn't a great problem for those first weeks. But the best part was that I didn't need conversational skills at all to communicate with God. He knew my heart. He understood my thoughts and feelings without me needing language to express them. I was assured of his love, of my salvation, and that I had purpose. I realized that my life had been spared because God had a plan for it wherever the Navy might take us. There is freedom and joy in being a child of the God to whom we pray, our Father. Relationships, that is the key. This very morning, as I was in the shower talking to the Spirit about this service, he reminded me that prayer is relationship. Thank you. <laughs> it was just the, the, the thing that was most important. We communicate with those whom we love. Our two sacraments are baptism and communion. There must be a root word there that's significant. He then reminded me that my wards, who are intellectually disabled, have strong relationships with him. They do not communicate well verbally, but they know God. Kevin is very much aware of church. Church. That's the way he pronounces it. He knows that word and where Evangel Heights is. On the day he and his twin were baptized, we had a reception at their group home. Pastor Dave arrived, and Kevin ran out to greet him and placed his hand on Pastor's head, just as Dave had done to him a few hours earlier. That was a life-changing moment for Pastor Dave, as he will tell you to this day. Carl, Kevin's twin, passed away a few years ago. It wasn't until his funeral that I realized that what, 
when he would occasionally hoot and raise his hand like this, he was praising God, sign for God. Tom loves to sing and dance. He sings God's praises as John Wesley would have had him do, lustily and with good courage. Relationship, that's what it's all about. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me so that I could remind others that all of God's children can be in relationship with you, each in his or her own way. And once again, we invite you, all of you, you out there, to be Join us by praying the Lord's Prayer each day at noon. It can take as little as 21 seconds. Now, if you're in time, in a time crunch, that's as long as it takes to wash your hands while singing Happy Birthday twice. Share the information with your friends and family. Share with different time zones. Let's be part of encircling the earth with prayer. As you pray, the Holy Spirit will connect the words of your mouths to the longings of your hearts. He understands your true meanings. God is truth. Want to make a difference? Want to witness but don't know where to start? Always start with prayer. Be free and experience the joy of being connected to our Father in heaven through prayer. Our Father. Amen. <laughs>